Hi, I'm Jennifer Isabella. And I'm Carrie Johnson. Your co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means, where we explore the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. Today, we're joined by Laura Ramos, Vice President and Principal Analyst, and Keith Johnston, Vice President and Group Director, to discuss the perils of cutting marketing budgets during an economic downturn. Welcome both. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. So let's start with... What is happening to budgets, to marketing budgets and priorities um, during this time in light of the pandemic and um, economic downturn? Well, budgets and priorities are, are, are being affected in different ways for different folks. Um, you know, we've, we've identified essentially uh, three modes that people were in. One is the survival mode, and that was just about all of us early on. Um, then the adaptive mode. Um, and we, we're seeing some companies actually move into the growth mode. Um, you know, so everybody's in a different level of recovery based on their industry and the type of company they've had, because, you know, lots of people's business models have been upended and the behaviors of customers have rapidly changed. And in most cases, changed forever. Uh, but if you look at it overall and do an average. Uh, we can go into specifics of those scenarios, but you know, overall we were seeing about a 28% drop in US marketing spend through the end of 2021. Uh, so there's, there's a dramatic spend you know, you know, loss there. Uh, you know, inside that, just a couple of highlights, you know, you know, offline media is going to be affected for a while. We're probably going to see you know, a dra- dramatic decrease in offline media for at least six to 12 months. Um, you know, although, you know, spending on brand and television is actually up a bit, uh, you know, certainly in the in the early parts of this crisis. Uh, digital media um, will hold steady. We're not going to see the kind of growth rates that we have, the double digit growth rates. But. You know, the idea of having flexible placement, uh, you know, delivering our creative assets digitally, um, you know, and being able to have very measurable and very targetable, uh, you know, media spending uh, is, you know, is something that we need uh, in these new conditions for the market. And then, of course, agency spend, we're seeing it's it's down about 40 percent. It's definitely going to stay that way this year going into next year. Um, how much of recovery we have with uh, agency spend uh, because most of that spend is actually in media uh, is is kind of up in the air yet. You know, we still don't know how the U.S. economy uh, is going to recover. Uh, you know, we're here in an election year where actually there usually is a ton of heavy spending. But, you know, we don't know if that's going to be the, the, the case this time around. So more to be seen. And Keith, is that an optimistic outlook or... Uh... A pessimistic outlook. What are what are your thoughts there? You know, um, you know, it's so interesting. There's there's so many conditions that are happening, and so many industries are getting affected in so many different ways. Is that you know, it's it's hard to just you know do an average. Um, I think that we're you know, if you look at some of the the companies that are doing well uh, in the pandemic, um, there's a little bit of optimism. You know, uh, you know, the stock market is still doing pretty OK, um, probably too OK in some views. Uh, you know, consumers are are getting a little itchy and they're getting out their spending, um, you know. But what holds us all back is that, you know, are we going to come back too fast? Is there going to be another spike in the pandemic? And and that's you know, that's what we have to, to look out for. Um, I would 
leave one optimistic note though, is that, you know, our advice is don't stop marketing. You know, there is lots of evidence that those who keep marketing, who stay resilient and adapt their businesses, you know, through times of crisis actually come out the other end succeeding. Uh, and in many cases, completely dominating their category. Uh, so I think that's the optimistic advice that I could offer. Uh, just don't stop, you know, and there's tons of other evidence that if you do stop marketing, you may be forgotten forever. So, uh, you know, stay in the game. So we've seen some companies make some pretty dramatic cuts to their marketing budgets and to their marketing teams. You're saying that's a big mistake, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I believe that many brands, for particularly consumer facing brands, um, can easily be forgotten in these times. Um, you know, certainly if you're, uh, if you're fast casual, which you actually have a mode uh, at which you can, uh, you can alter your, your business model a little bit and, and go to takeout and some online orders and stuff like that. Now, maybe precisely the time to go ahead and, and, you know, get your message out there that you have made those adjustments uh, so that you can grow your way out of this crisis. I think on the B2B side, it's a really common reaction to say, okay, we're going to cut marketing budgets. We've got to preserve the sales force. And what people who are successful realize is that marketing and sales grow on each other. And if you aren't marketing, you are give, putting your salespeople at a disadvantage, um, particularly now when all of sales is digital. And so you need marketing to provide that um, digital air cover, that that ability to warm up and, and introduce your brand and, and, and your problem solving to different accounts in order to get you know, a, a smooth runway for your salespeople to come in and take over the conversation. So that's a, you know, that's where we've seen B2B marketers really have a big impact is in helping enable the sellers. It feels like B2B marketing has to be in a fairly devastating place right now. No events, no in-person meetings, no high touch. You started to touch on it, but could you talk specifically about ways that firms should be spending those dollars that they used to be spending on some known, maybe not always effective, but at least known pipeline drivers? Yeah. Um, I mean, the sales organization is is should be the primary focus. And, and so what the pandemic is doing for a lot of marketers, and, and if it's a silver lining, you know, I really hate to kind of take this bad situation and, and cast it that way. It's forcing them to have more digital acumen, more digital experiences that now they're starting to, you know, high tech has always been sort of ahead of other industries in their ability to use digital. But now other industries are really catching on to what does it mean to do digital marketing? So you've got to invest in some key areas, particularly around CRM and marketing automation in order to make this happen. Um, but it's how do you convert from some of those physical things into digital and how do you make your digital more relevant and more personalized and more uh, customized to the people you're trying to have conversations with? You know, Carrie, it's, it's forcing a lot of marketers who used to think only about leads, like how do we get leads? How do we get leads to go back to some core principles around segmentation and targeting and understanding their customers and then using 
digital as a way to selectively go after those different markets and segments and targets. So by that logic and advice, we should be seeing some vendors and some core digital marketing spaces having a phenomenal time and quarter and results. Is that is that happening? Or is the market lagging our advice? I mean, there's lots of categories that are kind of holding their own. You know, we mentioned, uh, you know, marketing automation. I mean, it's going to get a boost. Um, you know, marketers are going to lose some headcount, but they're going to get smarter about their tools. So uh, they're going to have to, you know, invest. Um, you know, the media that is going to do the best is the the media that has uh, flexible placement, uh, performance guarantees, uh you know, good cancellation terms, uh, you know, great targeting so that you can, you know, you know, as one area of the country may be opening up, you want a heavy, you know, market there as another's closing down, you want to move those dollars around, you know, so there's, there's plenty of spaces where, you know, there's, there's some, some innovation and some investment happening. Yeah. And the B2B side, I think it's like in four main areas, um, sales enablement, Lots of things going on there. Those companies are doing great. Uh, the ability to reach your audience through digital events. And I don't just mean virtual events. I just mean digital ways of getting people together and presenting content and having conversations. Um, partners. A lot of investment in, in going on with the partners. And finally, and, and probably most significantly, content particularly different content types that marketers haven't used on the B2B side that often, like video, um, like uh, animation and 3D and, and some of these more dynamic multimedia, I don't even know if that's a term anymore, multimedia um, uh, kinds of, of uh, capabilities. You mentioned digital events and sort of through virtual events in there. What are you seeing? Because I think Carrie sort of nodded towards this. There's a lot of legacy events that are just not happening today because they can't and sort of what what is that transition then um in the b2b space to a more virtual experience okay so i mean there's a lot that goes on in business to business that is events but let's focus on like the idea of the conference uh particularly conferences that companies host for their customers prospects partners and that's where my research has been focused at during this time. And I have to tell you, no one ever asked me about virtual events in the 17 years that I have been an analyst until March of 2020. And I think there's panic going on, you know, or and maybe it's settled down a little bit, but, but there's still this idea that like, initially it was like, well, we'll cancel the event or we'll postpone the event. And now people are really starting to look seriously at how do you do this in a digital virtual way? And it doesn't mean to go and run off and buy some technology that's going to make your event be in the digital world. You've really got to sit and think about what are we trying to accomplish? Because you can accomplish creating an experience, a digital connection with your audience in a lot of different ways. So you've got to plan to make the event be what you want it to be, not just fit a platform that you decide to invest in. But yeah, tremendous interest, lots of people doing things uh, and, and lots of different experiments going on. And I have to say, 
boy, they, they, there's some great examples of things going on. And there's some really, you know, things breaking in the middle of stuff going on. And, and everybody's trying to figure it out all together. I think the one thing that we do know is that we're into recovery. You know, when we're past, when we've got this thing contained and, and we're into um, eradication, that events are going to come back. They're just going to come back as hybrid models. I think the one thing marketers are learning is that there's a lot of advantage to having a more digital capability to your physical events. I feel like threading together what Keith, you were talking about, and then Laura, what you were all talking about, what we we're talking about, we're talking about firms' ability to adapt in a moment. Um, and I'm wondering if you have noticed a trend in the firms that adapt or an acceleration of work they were already doing and, and or an acceleration of companies that were already starting to flail, right? This is a great moment of acceleration period. And I think it's very easy to look at it and say, oh no, the pandemic caused this company to perform poorly. I'm guessing that a lot of the cases that you've seen are actually, oh no, this company continued to perform poorly and not be able to adapt to the moment. Is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's plenty of firms that uh, this the you know crisis plus uh, recession has just uh, broken their firms. Um, many companies will not survive this. Uh, we've seen it, and you know a, a tremendous amount of bankruptcies uh, that may never ever come back. But then there's other plenty of other you know uh, you know industries that we're seeing uh, that low low growth. Um, you know, grocery, food uh, services, logistics, you know, all these things where they may have been in the midst of a transformation already, but now they've probably done more than two weeks than they did the previous two years, you know, and that's when that survival mode, but, you know, when you get into survival mode, the great leaders who don't panic in that and realize that they just need to put the foot on the gas, uh, you know, those are the companies that are going to come out at the end. I mean, we just, we just saw another great quarter where, you know, automotive has, you know, had its issues and, you know, it's holding its own uh, in this pandemic because people are, you know, not getting on planes, they're driving, you know, so you've seen lots of great automotive advertising out there. Uh, media consumption is obviously just, you know, has, has exploded as we're all home. Uh, I mentioned grocery and logistics. This is a pivotal moment for, uh, for categories like that, where, you uh, the, what has happened here in the pandemic is probably what will continue to happen and will create a growth mode for an industry that's been flat for years. On the business to business side, we're seeing a lot of different things, but I think, you know, like the analogy that I use, and it's maybe a, maybe a poor one, but it's like when there's a wildfire that goes through a big forest, you know, and it kind of clears out the brush and the smaller grass and things that might not have survived under the canopy to begin with. And, and, but that just opens things up for new opportunities to take root and grow. And, and I think we're seeing a lot of that in, on the B2B side, the companies that I find are being the most resilient are the ones who really focus on their customers. Um, we did some research recently where we went and looked at 60 business to business websites and their social media, just from a communication standpoint, we wanted to know how are they communicating their response to the pandemic? And we found some interesting patterns in that the companies that like are, ha are doing okay, that are in the survival mode, are the ones that really sort of have a, a focus on their customers. And they talk about 
value that they're delivering, maybe extraordinary value. Maybe they're changing terms in their contracts or giving people an online space where they can go and find new information about how to deal with certain aspects. Um, like you're handling remote employees uh, and, you know, and having a website uh, uh, dedicated to that sort of thing. Um, that they're delivering real value ahead of asking for you know, more money or to buy more from us. And they're also demonstrating communication that is very empathetic, not just sympathetic, but they can really demonstrate that they understand what's going on with their uh, customers. Um, Reggie Argawal is the CEO at a company called Cvent, and they're in the event space. And his, his company does software to help people manage physical events. And he's had some really empathetic blog posts talking about what was it? He's been in the industry for years. What is it that about the industry that um, happened during the downturn related to the financial crisis? What happened during 9-11? He could go back this far and talk about how the industry always recovers and really gives people that are in the event space some real hope and looking forward. Backing off of what you were just saying, Laura, are you seeing a shift or more of an emphasis or resources being geared towards customer marketing. So, you know, invest more investment there than either it has been done historically or, you know, just attention given to that function. I also talked to, or in my research, talked to people about how do you turn your customers into advocates? Because having custom, like the idea of influencers in the B2C world, while well, your influencers are other customers in the B2B world. And, and so how do you, you know, turn your happy, satisfied customers into advocates for you is something that I've been writing about for, for a few years now. And, and that's had like a, a, a decent, steady, you know, whatever, uh, kind of, of inquiry load and, and people talking to me about it and, and, and wanting to say, ask questions. All of a sudden, this is spiking up. You know, people are wondering, okay, how do we put programs together that not only retain our customers, but really they get them involved, show that we care and help show that we're delivering value that they can really take advantage of. This idea of customer advocacy and intimacy requires scale. And I feel like in the past, uh, agencies helped quite a bit with this and yet we're seeing agency spending cratering. So I'm assuming this leads to more of those skills brought in house, but this goes back to concerns about cutting marketing budgets. You know, where does this come from? How do we do it at scale? And is it even possible to do given how much, how many of those types of resources are being cut right now? Yeah, well, I mean, we're having a real talent drain. I mean, we've seen over 60,000, you know, jobs, uh, you know, go away in the agency space. Um, we probably would have saw upwards of $150,000 if it wasn't for the, um, the uh, payroll protection loans that, that were provided. Um, to a lot of agencies. Um, but, you know, the only way for me to answer that is just to, you know, uh, you know, look at the optimistic look and, and realize that there's, um, there's a bunch of brands who uh, have already announced that they're going to, you know, drive a lot of investment back in the media. And, you know, for those that are still at the agencies, the talent that they preserved, um, you know, we can get them back to work and, you know, there, there could be an opportunity to bring some of that talent back because uh, it's not all going to happen in-house. Um, you know, brands like, you know, McDonald's, uh, for an example, who announced that they're going to put, you know, 
they've amassed a quote war chest um, of cash, uh, $200 million more that they're going to put in the Q4 spending. Um, they're not doing that all in-house. You know, that's going to be some agencies and their partners. Um, you know, Unilever and PNG announced similar things that they're going to, you know, they're, they're going to go, you know, right in the Q4 um, and spend, uh, spend some money uh, through this, uh, through this pandemic. Um, and then you have um, Coke, uh, who, you know, basically said that, you know, they're going to move some of their uh, media dollars into their ecosystem partners, which I have to think that that's uh, that's agencies, that's supply chains, that's where Coke is sold, um, that, you know, there's going to be media uh, dollars that they've they've had on the sidelines that are going to go into that. And so, you know, agency and partners will be involved in that. So I'd like to think that the best. Uh, of the agencies out there, the great partners that, you know, that, that have the great talent uh, will come back online in Q4 um, much differently, but they'll come back online in Q4. When, when it comes to business marketing, Carrie, you've got to realize that marketing is a multiplier, you know, and companies that are cutting back on marketing is probably the least success oriented strategy that you can have right now. Um, because marketing's job is how do you define what your brand promise is and then turn that into the customer experience and marketing scales because they're the great communicators, the storytellers, and they can make your sellers, your internal people, your customer success managers, your account managers, the service people who are talking to customers every day. They have to be reminded of what is that promise that we're making? And marketing has the tools to scale that communication when that happens. So they've got the tools, they got the, the ability to scale, and they've got the great communication. Those are the kinds of things you need to be doing right now. And it's a multiplier effect on your sales effectiveness and on the people who are talking to your internal people when they can have empathy, have, be demonstrating value, and be sticking with your brand story. Another thing to point out for the B2C side is that, you know, as we come out of this adaptive mode and this investment uh, comes back, you have to think about something that is really important, which is there is so many companies, brands, industries that um, over the last few months have been investing on a new mode of operating, uh, a new business models, new uh, ways to service their customers. And not all of that is going to be obvious to the consumers. So there's going to be a lot of communications, a lot of brand communications for sure, that are going to be invested in actually communicating what that new experience with that company is and their services and their products. Uh, you know, so, you know, some, some very creative people are going to be required. Uh, marketers are going to be required to deliver those messages. And, you uh, know, so there's going to be opportunities, you know, brands can't do this all them all by themselves. So let's address the reality on the ground, though, that we're saying you have to invest in marketing. Yes, that's great advice. But oftentimes, you know, leaders are dealing with smaller budgets, given the, the reality on the ground. So what is your guidance, both from a B2B and B2C perspective of where should marketing leaders be placing their bets, prioritizing, focusing their budgets? Yeah, from a B2B side, the first place I would go is customer marketing. You know, how, how are you creating 
communication and programs that help anyone who touches customers have a better experience with them and specifically build communication marketing programs that's that from the point that somebody becomes a customer until they become successful and loyal and ultimately an advocate that there is a steady stream of communication using your existing technology you don't have to go out and buy a lot of things uh using your existing technology to just reinforce to them that they're making progress towards their goals that you're benchmarking them against their peers in your customer base and that you're giving them best practices and tips and even thanking them and celebrating their successes along the way. Marketing teams can put those kinds of programs together with literally no money <laughs> and, and be very successful at retaining your customers, not only retaining your customers, but growing your business with them, growing their loyalty and turning them into advocates. The second place I would invest is in sales enablement. The sellers need content. They need stories. They need reasons to be reaching out and they need help with that. You, I know we've all gotten just inundated with emails from salespeople that don't even like, they don't even realize that there's no way in the world they're going to sell me anything. <laughs> and that's a waste of time and effort. And you need to help sellers be more effective in how they're spending their time um, reaching out and, and trying to engage with the right accounts at the right time. Yeah. And from the consumer side of things, um, you know, there's a couple of steps that you should take right now. You know, one, if you haven't already, is that, you know, maximize the technology that you have. Um, invest in better technology that didn't exist so that you can you can access your customers. You know, think about uh, not uh, efficiency, but effectiveness. You know, um, cost cutting will only get you so far in these times. Um, the next thing is secure your best talent and your partners. You know, um, you know, be deliberate and, you know, in choosing the partners that you know that, that know you best and are going to help you in these times. Um, you know, and then invest in customer experiences. And while you're doing that, make sure that you're also investing in your brand, uh, you know, making sure that you're connecting with your customers that where they are now, um, these, uh, the economic, the political, the, uh, the, the societal and cultural climate that we're in is, you know, these are emotional times and, uh, you know, you have to, you have to be empathetic to where your customers are, uh, and you have to do it in an authentic way. And so. Uh, even though you're, you know, you know, first and foremost in investing in your customer's experience, it's, you know, you have to make sure that you're communicating that you're the right brand for them in these times. So, and that's going to take some investment. Thank you both for joining us today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to Forrester's What It Means podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. To continue the conversation, follow Forrester on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.